0: Hello, I am Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to a special edition of the 905er. Normally, we were planning to have uh, Andrea Horvath, leader of the NDP, on for our uh, Ontario provincial leader Q&A. Unfortunately, uh, as we explained earlier, her schedule didn't line up, uh, and so she was not able to make it, unfortunately. So instead... I'm going to pretend to be Andrew Horvath. Roland's going to answer me a question. No, I'm just kidding. I can't, I can't, I can't. We wouldn't wouldn't dare be that bold. No, instead what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the NDP platform because they are one of the few parties to actually have released it in its entirety. And we, we, we went through it and Roland and I kind of picked out our top three favorite things and our top three least favorite things of the platform. We're going to take a look at them and explain why they matter to us here in the 905. And then at the end, we're just going to give our general overall impression of this platform. If you like it, say let us know. If you don't like it, let us know.
1: And I think, you know, to be and fair we, to the much. parties, I mean, to be fair to, to the parties, their leaders came on, so they, they've had a fair kick of the can so to speak but we'll also look at their platforms as well when they come out uh, it's just so happens that the ndp have been first out of the gate and i think we'll look at the the pc's platform as well when whenever they um whenever it's issued so uh we'll
0: try and if if they issue it this year
1: <laughs> we'll try and uh treat everybody equal uh, fairly even-handedly and and pick out some good I you mean, know, because i'm sure there will be good things in every platform and there will be things that are less good so uh hopefully that way we can to share some of our our takes on this stuff and um our listeners can make their own
0: judgments so roland what's let's start off with the good let's start with the good news first yeah what was the number one thing that we found that we said hey that looks like a good thing to have well, i think
1: we both um
0: independently uh picked out
1: the mental health commitment as 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 the number one thing that really grabbed our attention um, so the uh, the platform, and this was announced a couple of weeks ago now, um, but they, they've made a commitment to uh, basically uh, make mental health fully part of OHIP um, and so, to include mental health care uh, visits to therapists, um, psychiatrists. I mean, psychiatrists are already covered, but, but that's more of a kind of traditional medical uh, aspect of things. But therapy and mental care probably within no hip uh, so that's funded so we're, we're no longer in this sort of situation of you know if you want to see a therapist you can you can you have to uh, find three hundred dollars for a, for an hour meeting or something like that um and I think that's fantastic I think it's it, it's something that um if the Ontario Liberals if they were smart would would just adopt as well I think it's uh, there's been a lot of people calling for it I know I've been calling for it for uh, quite a few years uh, and I think the public Appetite is there for it, um,
0: as as mental health has
1: become so much well, central to what the kind of conversation that we have
0: these days about healthcare. Yeah, well, I, I definitely think in light of the pandemic coming out, people have really tuned in inwards into themselves and realized, you know, they they need they need help, uh and that, that's not meant in a, in a derogatory or bad way. There's just you know, people realize they they have been dealing with personal issues for some times and they need they need professional advice, and I, you know. We we hear all of the the, you know Bell Let's Talk Day and all that, and I think the stigma is starting to tear down. The problem is people say, "Yeah, I want to talk about my my issues." They just don't know how to plug themselves into that that network. Uh, So this is a good thing. I I would definitely I applaud the NDP for bringing this in. I think it's gonna it's one of those it will be one of those transformative uh, uh, policies that if uh, if they were elected to government if they brought that in that would definitely be one of those. A, a a true legacy policy uh, for the future generations to look back and say, yeah, that's it,
1: and it gets me, and maybe this is just my my privilege speaking, but it gets me more excited in some ways that that than than things like pharmacare. And obviously, I don't have children, so so. Childcare doesn't excite me so much. These are all really important things in terms of equity yeah. and fairness, and but uh, but it's also something that that thus far at least really sets the NDP apart from the other parties uh, as a single thing. We can really look at it and say, okay, this is different. Hmm. Um, this is a, a major commitment that the other parties have not um, endorsed yet, um, uh, and it it puts it on the agenda. Or I hope it puts it on the agenda for for good. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we, we, you know, as a society, we've become much more aware, maybe there's an awful long way to go yet that that mental health is, is, you know, mental health challenges are something that probably half of us at least will experience at some point in our life. That doesn't mean um, that we don't overcome them. It doesn't mean that they're there all the time necessarily, but for many people that there will be a decade or a year that, that you need that help. Um, uh, I remember someone saying years ago to me that, you know, everybody can benefit from a therapist, even if you're completely healthy. I mean, honestly, it's not, um, that kind of old view of, of that kind of thing as being, as being evidence of somehow weakness, uh, I think is, is more and more on the way out. And, um, yeah, it's incredibly unfair that, that, that depending currently, you know, depending on where you live, what kind of GP you have, you know, just luck, basically you may have access to, uh, a therapist free of charge, or you may have to pay hundreds of dollars, um, and it, it really um, just depends you know, on luck.
0: But it, I think it's about time we talk. We finally, I'm, I applaud the NDP for finally putting on the agenda talking about um, re- reducing those barriers. So that's a, that's a plus, big plus for them. What's the next thing that we uh, we singled out
1: uh, on, on the good side of the ledger? Uh, we uh, we looked at well, basically the return of cap and trade, which uh, as well as most people will probably know or remember, was already in place before the last election and was cancelled in two thousand eighteen by by the PCs. Um, so and, and has in effect been replaced by a flat carbon tax um, in terms of cost of you know upfront cost of carbon rather than the um ironically the market driven um approach that that cap and trade uh, offers uh, I th- yeah i think we, we both felt that that was a, a good thing and also that it's you know rather than having these things forced on us from above by the by the federal government that there should be a, a made in ontario approach to this that um that the, the is good for business uh, and that d- isn't just a stick that you hit business with but but includes a, a good right. deal of carrot for those businesses who want to um work within the system ironically cap and trade i think was built invented by republicans back in the day uh, as a kind of way of getting
0: away from a
1: carbon tax approach but i mean i,
0: I think
1: he has a lot well, to speak
0: i just i think i think it's a no but i think it's a great great thing we should have um you know that that ish, the, the money should not be going to ottawa it should be coming here staying in in Ontario and using it to fund our uh our change and it, to people say oh carbon tax is evil. like no it's it's here to stay it's just it's it'll be here to stay it's going to be a necessary part of doing business in in the 21st century i think as as we shift into a carbon neutral uh economy which that that shift is happening the businesses are moving towards that and we need to be the ones who Prioritize it and f- and and make it happen. Whether I'll be honest, whether it was a carbon tax or a cap and trade system, whatever the 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 thing is, if the NDP bring this in and they then go to the Liberals in Ottawa and say, uh, no, the agreement was we had if we had our own system, you don't charge us. We got our system now. Back off. That's a great thing. Keep it here in Ontario. Keep the money here. Also, if I mean if they signed on to the old system that the Liberals brought in, we'd be tying in with Quebec us and in California, which would, you know, it, it's a great thing to tie into those economies. Um, all in all, it's a great thing uh, to to keep more more of that stuff here in province so that it. I think it ultimately releases or eases the tax burden on uh, on the average Joe, uh, especially when it comes to the cost of climate change.
1: And it's going from this kind of, you know, I mean, the whole problem with, 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 abolishing the cap and trade system in 2018 was it was introduced as if the federal government wasn't going to become involved and hadn't already promised that it would become involved as just a, a way as a as a sop to pc voters mm-hmm. um and, and as part of the kind of myth that taxation is always a bad thing regardless of 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 how it's done uh, and that myth is not challenged nearly enough by any party uh, taxation can actually be an extremely progressive and beneficial way to move to move business to move people to move um society in more in better
0: directions you know, if there was a time when we taxes are taxes are going to exist no matter mm-hmm. what so don't don't fall into this argument by conservatives saying oh we needed you know lord keep lowering taxes because when they talk about lowering taxes it's not for you and i it's for p- businesses, corporations, and those who, quite frankly, can't afford to pay their fair share of taxes. This helps keep the the roads paved, the lights on, and doesn't pass the costs on to us. Um,
1: well, and the biggest the biggest misunderstanding about taxation, I mean, this is getting into a bit of a side issue, really, but the biggest misunderstanding about all taxation is that somehow a, a, a dollar paid in tax is a dollar lost to the country, to the economy, to everything. Lost to me personally, lost to everybody. And it's so not true. I mean, if, if, if I spend a dollar on buying something that's manufactured in China, that's a dollar lost. That's a dollar that used to be in Canada that's now in China. If I spend a dollar that goes to the Ontario government or the federal government, and the federal government spends that on building a road or building a school, Well, that's a dollar that's stayed in the province, that's now doing something useful, that's gone into the wages of a teacher or a road builder who goes out and buys a TV that's made in China. But, you know, (laughs) but the point is, you know, taxation dollars are churned. They, They go over and over and they go back, you know, they the guy earns the money from building a road and then he pays his tax and that goes back to the government that builds another school it's it's like a, 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 a it's so much more of a of a of a yeah, beneficial it, kind of system but this uh, then than
0: other the, ways it's just the the, car, the carbon pricing of some form or another is here to stay i like i'm not necessarily arguing the virtues of cap and trade versus uh uh carbon tax or, or whatnot. i just like the idea of that pricing mechanism staying in-house here in the province that goes to funding projects here in the, here in the province. Um, that's, that's, that's my, uh, my sales pitch for the NDP on, on this one. Yep. Um, and the third one that we, I mean, there's there some other things we could
1: have picked on, I mean, I'll give an honorable mention. I'll give an honorable mention. Um, you were less excited by, uh, banning single use plastics within two years. I think that's a big deal. I, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, it it's one of those policies that's going to annoy a lot of people because of tiny little inconveniences. It's like, Oh, I can't take my groceries home in a plastic bag anymore. Or, you know, it will be inconvenient and people will moan. And it's a, it's a small policy that that will have surprisingly large pushback, but it has to be done. Um, I, I think it's important that we do yeah. do it.
0: Um, I, I just think my, my only caveat to that was the fact that I thought a lot of businesses are already going that route. Um, Right now, like Walmart is doing away with their plastic bags. That that's it right there. That's a huge removal of the you know from our landfills. If Walmart says no more plastic bags, we're going fully reusable. Um, you know that's and I'm not saying it's a bad like oh my god the NDP are so bad. It's just don't don't make it sound as innovative as you're trying to make it sound. The business is already on board. They're not you're not going to get a lot of fight from Walmart or from uh, uh, Loblaw's. I suspect. By saying we're going to ban single-use plastic bags and and the like, um, but you know I you're right I'll give them credit for putting it in there and it's good to see it you know officially in writing somewhere.
1: Yeah, um, and the one that we we kind of settled on as our third um, item that we would we would uh, settle on as a, as a as a good thing was um, basically um, money. No, ten thousand dollars. I think the number is um, for anybody buying an electric vehicle, uh, excluding luxury vehicles. I believe. Um, No, No, it's including. including. It was including.
0: Um, So, like, it would just be ten thousand dollar tax credit for the purchase of an E zero emission vehicle, whatever that might look like. They said that the preference was on vehicles built in Ontario. The only problem is, I don't really know right now of any mass produced zero emission vehicles being done here in ontario um i don't know how that would be how, how you set that incentive up everybody's getting ten thousand dollars that may, maybe twelve thousand i i don't know but the point is ten thousand bucks when you go to buy an electric vehicle is an awesome thing uh combined with the five thousand you're gonna get from the federal government that's potentially fifteen thousand dollars off the purchase of a new zero electric emission sorry, zero emission uh vehicle. Um, and the more of them are coming on the market. This is going to be a great thing to spur that uh that that uh that industry. Um especially in light of you know we've we've had on Flavio Volpe uh on this podcast to talk about their project there and the idea of the, the auto industry switching over to EV manufacturing. Uh, I, I think stuff like this is vitally important to get the Fords and the GMs and eventually presuming the Chryslers to stay put and the Toyotas to stay put here in Ontario and to convert their existing facilities into electric vehicle manufacturing Um, because they're not going to build them here if they're not going to be able to sell them here. This will be the last market that they want to. This, I think, is going to help change that, uh, uh, that dynamic.
1: And I think it's worth recognizing at this point. I mean, there may be listeners to this podcast who are kind of screaming, you know, Electric vehicles are not the answer. And, and I accept that point of view partly. Um, I think, I mean, it's it's like saying horses are not the answer in the 1850s. Um, that may be true, uh, that it would be good to get all the manure off the streets. But, um, you know, until you've got a replacement, you're stuck with them. Um, we live, unfortunately, in a world where where, it's, where But we are still dependent on cars, and I I don't personally see a point where we're ever going to be. I mean, we need independence of movement. We need we need a world where it's much more beneficial and and routine to use public transit. Um, But that doesn't
0: mean that you know we can't travel. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. The practical. I agree. Public transit is good, especially if you're trying to commute to and from a job that's in the same community, but the practical purpose is, uh, I have a family, uh, that we grocery shop for, and I need a vehicle to carry the large amounts of groceries that we, for my family to eat. There's also this thing of, I like to go on vacations (laughs) and I like to take my family with me. I need a vehicle to do that. There's, I, I mean, I, here's the thing. We're just, we are a car centric, uh, I don't, I'm not going to say car centric, but I am going to say like uh, the car is a big part of our life. Um, maybe within the city, we can start getting away from that, but we are always going to be encouraged. We're a big country. We're always going to be encouraged to go on that road trip, to go see another province, another site, and we'll take our cars with us. Um, we did, like Our our, our country is built for driving through. That's a, That's the reality. Uh, driving around your neighborhood, that's a different argument. But we do going need the infrastructure. And much
1: as you might want to create um the ideal world tomorrow the ideal world comes about by increments Uh, where i get most frustrated is where even the increments don't happen Uh, the increment we need to do right now is 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 getting rid of the internal combustion engine Uh, and if that means replacing it with an electric one that's a step in the right direction you know Uh, and and all those other things uh, so that we're less you know we've designed yeah canada like the whole of north america is designed for cars, and that was a huge mistake that we've made, and, and we're and it's going to take decades for us to to reverse engineer that situation. I, did, I, and, but that, that's not I, a matter. I disagree. That was a mistake. I'm not, I'm I'm not saying that. I, it, I it, it, we can be hugely more energy efficient uh, within a, a framework of of the kind of world we live in, and that's going to take. Uh, uh, a long time to. well, It's going to take time to come about. I mean, we talk about climate emergency and things. Obviously, there's there's need to to get moving and and not to be hanging about. And we're still having arguments about whether there's even climate change happening. And it's you know very depressing. At the same time, we we've got to do the I things first, which are which are the easiest and, and quickest to achieve. And I think getting rid of the internal combustion engine is sort of step one.
0: Hey, I I'm just looking forward to the idea of going out and buying a new EV car and possibly getting $15,000 off off the uh the sticker price. So, yeah, that's the that's that. Why don't we take a break there for our sponsor and we will be back with uh basically the 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 three things we did not like right after this. And welcome back to part 2
1: of our look at the NDP platform. And in, in part 1, we we emphasized the positive and uh looked at some things that we thought were were you know, praiseworthy in the platform. Uh and in part two we're going to do the opposite and take a some look at some things that we thought uh could be improved or were not impressive. Um and uh you know, this is just our opinions obviously and uh, uh you your your mileage may vary. But uh, Joel, uh, what, what uh, what's your what was first on our list of um things we weren't so keen on? <laughs> uh
0: their their housing policy. Um you know, you and I are, you know, we might we may have talked about housing and development at some point or another on this podcast. Hint, <laughs> hint. Uh, take a deep dive, people. You'll see that it's common. So this is something that we're we're very much eager to look at and dissect on every party's uh, platform and what they say or don't say on it. And quite frankly, the NDP kind of comes up short in terms of ambition. We ran we read through it, and it's you know we're we're there. not. I'm not seeing a lot of really ambitious plans It, it you know to crack down on speculation that's good uh, I, I suppose but the one thing um, you know there's not, there's not really a talk of building a, enough so, uh, social housing you know a, a big sustainable uh, social housing push um the one thing i thought was very dangerous uh, was the pay with the last tenant paid commitment Uh, the idea that to make rent affordable. And what they say here is an NDP government will bring back real rent control for all apartments, eliminating the financial incentive for landlords to squeeze out tenants to raise the rent. That sounds good, but then they add in this. We will also ensure that you pay what the last tenant paid by scrapping vacancy decontrol, which as I read it means that pretty much rent will stay put where it is on the day that they're elected or the day that they pass that legislation. That's where rent will stay put, which sounds good in the immediate term, but my thoughts are down the road when, uh, you know, if you have a tenant there who stays put for 10 years, that's well and good. They'll pay a fair market rate and then, oh, they decide I need to move out. Well, if you want to put in uh, upgrades, if you want to redo, you have to, if you have to redo uh, uh insulation or piping or just the ma- general maintenance of your properties, as you should as a landlord, those costs do have to be paid off somewhere. You know the the price of that goes up and it's just it's just, it's it's a bad recipe there's no incentive there if i was a landlord to say yeah i want to build more rental properties cuz i said well no if I, i'll build it and whatever i'm paying now why would i i i can't raise rent in 10 years when i need to when i need to co- or cover the cost of my the upgrades to my my buildings that's a dangerous recipe, and I don't see it that as an incentive to building new rental properties, which we desperately need, uh, in the 905.
1: Yeah, I just just the you were talking actually, I just looked up the 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 current Ontario standard on rent control, uh, and basically there was a complete freeze in 2021 following COVID. Um, and the uh you know, a a tenant who is not uh moving house at the moment um can see their rent increased by up to 1.2% which is, as we now know, considerably below inflation. I mean, it would have been ahead of inflation until recently, so there's that. Um, Yeah, I mean, and I say this as someone who's currently renting, um, I think rent control is is dumb and counterproductive. Um, I think there should be safeguards, absolutely, for tenants. Um, But I also think that, you know, in a world where we're expecting you can't have a halfway house between the public sector and the private sector. Um, you, you can you can take things into public ownership, and then the the state can decide the price of things and how much it wants to subsidise them, or you can let the pub the private sector do its thing. And now you can obviously there needs to be rules and regulations surrounding that to make sure that the the private sector does things fairly and rightly. However, you can't just take the profit out of it if it's going to be private sector you have to allow for profit uh, otherwise no one's going to do it and you know you, you know i challenge anybody to go and look look around your city your hometown and look at all the rental accommodation that's available and I, i'm willing to bet that 90 percent plus was built before the 19 uh, in or before the 1970s and that's because I believe, of rent control, because there's bugger all reason for uh, people to, yeah. to build new things. And ultimately, you know, the, the platform doesn't there's... talk about supply at all. It talks mm-hmm. about, you know, foreign buyers, fine. It talks about, you know, Doug's buddies in in, in the um, development industry, fine too. Yeah, but it's Says nothing about how are we going to build affordable housing. Well, rent control isn't going to build a single a single apartment for anybody. Quite the opposite.
0: The other the other the other issue, um, and I just noticed this now. Um, I'm re- I'm going over it. It does not touch upon the land, uh, uh, um, the Ontario Land Tribunal no, no. at all. Which we have heard from multiple municipal municipalities that this is an issue. Um, you know, it, it, just to clear up that mess, like the, the entire, the entire way we build stuff, like the, the only thing they talk about is it will end exclusionary zoning, increasing the supply of housing options that are affordable. Uh, it's yeah, that's great. But the other, the problem is the process, the process we've, we've come back to this time and time again, in this pro- podcast, the process is the problem is that you have, uh, developers knowing, Hey, I send, I put my proposal forward. I know it's over. It's it's exaggerated over what's allowed in this particular uh, part of the of the of the city. The city council votes against it. Oh no, we're going to take it to the land tribunal, and the land tribunal just gets overwhelmed with dealing with this. That they just say, you know, forget it. Okay, stamp developer wins, or the compromise is okay. You know, they they only get five extra stories on top. Whatever. The process is broken, and there's nothing to be discussed about how do you fix it, how do you streamline it so that Communities stay, you know, they they they're able to grow and and transform, but you know it's not it's not just cramming it through like the the what the conservatives are proposing in in legislation. I I all in all I'm been I'm I'm looking at this and for a a supposedly socialist uh government this uh the NDP the proposed NDP platform is very underwhelming when it comes to uh a, a housing the housing issue uh, in. This humble opinion. Well,
1: yeah, and if you, if you want to look at what other social, you know, what genuinely socialist governments have done around the world, some of them done amazing things, uh, and they did it by public money being invested uh, by the million and the billion into building those homes, into building high quality homes for working class people, and that's fine if that's the route you want to take. Awesome, you can do it. It's been a success around the world. Um, you know. It, all these things come with the problems you can point to sink estates and you know crumbling tower blocks and the rest of it but overall if you take it in this generality socialized housing if you if you want to call it like that has is is just completely routine and mundane in 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 large parts of the world and yet the NDP is not even talking about it, it and you know the focus on foreign buyers is frankly a side issue i mean yeah sure fix it that's not why there's a shortage of homes Uh, That's not why the prices are ultimately completely out of control. It's just an irritating complication to the the picture. Um, So yeah, the lack of ambition there on page one of their platform, I I find particularly disappointing. Uh, And I think they could have been a huge amount, a much, much bolder uh, there, and they should have been much bolder uh, because the public appetite is there to support it.
0: Next item up that we found lacking was their energy policy or kind of lack of vision there uh basically yeah they point out the they point at the fact that yeah doug ford promised four years ago he was going to lower all of our energy bills they have not gone down they have only gone up um now they're they are proposing to uh to build more green energy which is a good thing we we, we applaud them for that but uh, that's not going to bring down our energy bills um they are that's the the cost of building that's going to have to be passed on to us. That will co- That's what caused our energy bills back with the liberals to go up. Was they're building the energy, the greening, greenifying our energy production grid, which was good. But the poss- the problem was that the buck had to be passed on to us. That's essentially what the NDP is doing right now. And it's I think I think it's a little dishonest for them to come in and say, "Oh, we're going to bring down energy prices." Like, no, this is going to drive our ener- the energy prices up. Uh, which I I'll, I'll be honest, and this is something I'm baffled by in this province. We we do need more green energy, but why don't we further decentralize it? Why why don't we why wouldn't it make more sense for them to pass legislation that force building uh, cities and municipalities to change their building codes so that they would have to include, on top of roofs, solar panel, uh, home battery uh, included in the any new builds, as well as a uh, wind turbine technology to install on, on routes on all new builds bills going forward, it would just be included in the cost of your house, but that would help alleviate the energy market and the energy and, and you know, the, the need for energy in this province. Think about like all those houses turn into mini, uh, electricity factories, if you will. And we're right in the cusp of, oh, we need to, we need a massive push for new builds. Well, imagine if you, you've said. All those new bills have to include on it green energy production technology. Like, doesn't that kind of help solve a big gap in the in the network right there? Um, and instead they, they're still going as oh no, we're we're it, it, pie in the sky ideas that I I think aren't well thought out, and they kind of let the the problem of the liberals getting ousted uh the last time.
1: Well, and, and I think it's you know, it's not good enough. And there's a point we'll kind of come back. To in our conclusion, which you know, we're actually we're actually only picking two issues that we don't like after three kind of positive things, but we are going to have a kind of third kick of the can for both of us, <laughs> uh, and we'll come to that. But the the yeah, it, it, I don't think it's good enough to simply say, oh, the price of hydro has gone up under those terrible liberals and the terrible conservatives. It's like why 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 did it go up? Um, why? Why? Despite their best best wishes of both those governments, because God knows there's nothing they would have wanted more than to bring the price of hydro down. Did it not come down? Uh, and also in a global context, are we actually paying that much? And if you want to take a look at North America, no, we're not. We're we're well in the bottom half of the equation in terms of what we pay for for hydro. Um, and we also have one of the better, more up to date systems now i could go into that and people will say i'm well you're just parroting party lines from those guys you used to be associated with but in this case i'm going to claim that actually it was with evidence you know uh, there was a huge amount of uh, renewal it was done to the hydro system over the last 20 years after the end of the sort of harris eves era uh, and that cost money um, uh, and you know again when you you know if you compare ontario to quebec yeah we pay a lot more but that's because quebec basically gets its energy for free because it's got so many lakes compared to the rest of north america to the rest of canada ontario is you know middle of the field to low end of the field in terms of what we pay but we're not burning coal like most of the state still is um that we don't have a decrepit pathetic frankly pathetic system that's been underfunded for decades like most of the us does um, so we're in good shape um, and it's a shame that the, the whole thing has been such mass uh, massive controversy based on well it's more expensive than it used to be um without giving the, the you know the full picture of, of of what's going on um you know and, and, yeah
0: I mean connected with this I mean don't don't make the cl- don't make the claim that you're going to make energy prices more affordable because Right now, I don't think you can. Unless you're going to massively subsidize everyone's energy bill, it's not going to happen. What they need to do is start talking with decentralization of the grid, so that individual family homes or or, or units can be more uh, energy independent uh, and whatnot. It's, it's it's it. This the policy, the energy policy that the NDP are putting forward, I think just doesn't. It looks like a copy and paste from four years ago, and nobody really looked into it. Is my is what I get out of yeah.
1: I mean, and it, they it, did talk sense. about you know a return to the uh, you know the feed in tariff a uh, feed in tariff system, which was which the Liberals introduced as the microFIT system, where you know you, you can get paid. Uh, this is something that's this this I was actually funnily enough speaking to someone from California over the weekend who this is his. The industry he works in it's very widespread there so you know you 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 invest in the equipment and then you, you 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 benefit over the long term in in, in cheaper hydro they mentioned that in passing but it's it, it's it's too little too late to an extent it's like you know if and the thing that gets me is is kind of the dishonesty there i mean it's like the, you know again they, they bang on endlessly about insurance and it's like do you not think that you no. Know, However much you loathe the Liberals or however much you loathe the PCs, do you not think if they could have found any way to make insurance cheaper, they would have done because it's such a, a you know a perennial hot button issue at election time? Yeah. They failed. They tried, they failed. Uh, and the reason is, again, that you're, you're messing about with, with a private sector that, that, you know, again, nationalize it and be damned if you want, or not provincialize it, if there was such a word. Take it into public ownership. And set the price yourself if you want, but you're not suggesting that. You're suggesting that you just tell the private sector what prices it can charge, and that I just don't believe works. Um, I mean, if you if you want to talk about cheaper is cheaper insurance, you could talk about the fact that you know in Ontario, basically, I have to insure my car for every driver in Canada uh, to drive um, with my permission. Anybody can drive my car. In other parts of the world, you don't do that. You you insure the driver who's going to drive it and you don't insure the rest of your family, you don't insure every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and you don't necessarily insure it fully comprehensively so that if you crash it, you get a new car, you can, there are all sorts of other options. So right. you know the market is very constrained you know here, um, and we're not even looking at ways in which we can make prices lower for people who want to say, you know what, I don't want to insure every citizen of Canada to drive my car. I'd quite like to just insure me. Thanks very
0: much. How about we take a look at what are our final... Thoughts on the well, on the plan. We thought let's we'd s- both up. Of,
1: Your, um, round up our overall impressions. And, and you know, and this, the, the, I felt there was some really good stuff in here. I want to come back to mental health because I think I think that's what should have been page one of this platform. Um, in terms of like real fundamental change that would that would make an impact on most people in this province in one way or another um you know either directly or through their family or whoever like we would all be impacted by by mental health becoming part of ohip yeah that's a page one uh, uh policy right there and it's a good one um but um you know i think we both felt more kind of disappointed in, in some of the other things and, and the th- the thing that i'm going to sort of pick as my i know you have something else but the thing i'm going to pick as my parting shot or whatever you want to call it i think i think that's a canada land phrase isn't it didn't they do that um but my parting shot on this would be that i was annoyed by the dishonesty in the wording too often in this platform that it's politics as usual um because you you get phrases like well the pcs and the liberals have done this and the you know the liberals did the one that really really (laughs) ground my gear so to speak It's like the liberals did nothing for transit in 20 years it's like seriously you're going to sit there and say with a straight face that the liberals did nothing for transit in 20 years they transformed transit in this bloody province particularly with the go system and you know and to be fair to the pcs they've continued that uh, there's been huge investment into transit um particularly rail transit and yeah things can be better no doubt but i mean there, there's there's uh Light rail coming to cities across Ontario. Uh, that there's you know 15 minute service. There's electrification coming. There's all these things, and and, and you know the Liberals and the PCs too deserve credit for that. And you're going to sit there and say with a straight face that they did nothing. It's a lie. It's politics as normal, and people hate it. If you want to be that party that's going to, you know, if you can say, we're the we're the NDP, we're different, we're not like those other guys. Well, don't behave like the other guys then. Start off with being bloody honest. Um, so, yeah, there was too much of that kind of stuff, too much of the, of the um, well, landlords are evil trying to gouge us or the petrol pump, they're gouging us at the petrol pumps. It's like, they're not gouging us, the petrol pumps, OPEC may be gouging us, you know, the, the entire oil industry may be gouging us, but that is not within provincial jurisdiction, you know, that is a global problem. right. And they know, you know, Andrea Horvath knows that. The people in NDP head office know that, and they're not being honest about it. And that's what annoyed me the most. It's like, let's be honest, and then I will take everything else with a lot more positive attitude.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I, I hear you. On what you, what you said there. I, my take is, I was, I was struck. I don't want to say upset, but just taken aback by the lack of ambition uh, in the platform. The, pl- the platform. I, didn't, I mean, it was typically NDP and it was just, it was very much what you expect to see in an NDP platform in a, in a lot of ways. And I think that in itself was a bit of a problem. I i kind of, I think we're coming out, I, I, we've said it before, coming out of this pandemic, there's a lot of people who are reevaluating just, there's a lot of anger out there. I, I was having this conversation with my dad and he was pointing out like, you know, the, the truck convoy up in Ottawa and right now as we're running, we have the, the tr- bikers going up there. It's not to side with them, but. The anger that they are feeling, just that, that anger of we're left alone. Nobody's on our side. Nobody's backing us. It, I think it's permeating the entire country. Those guys have the wrong idea of how to fix it, obviously, but the anger is there. And there's a lot of us on the opposite end who said, no, we, we, you know, we, we got our shots, we followed the instructions. We, we suffered through the pandemic and we're coming out n- none the better. Does no, we don't, we get the feeling that there's nobody on our side. There's nobody who sits there and say. That's enough, we we need, the system's not working for us, work doesn't work, the, you know, the healthcare system's crumbling, and rather than come out and just look at this and say, yeah, we need a real, we need a, a new deal, a new, something that's really just gonna go to bat for people and take on some of the vested interests in this province. I was a little surprised with the NDP that they didn't really go after it, hit swinging for the fences on this one. Uh, this just seemed like every NDP platform from the last three or four elections and it seems outdated for the current challenges that we're facing. Uh, and I, I was very, very disappointed that just that lack of ambition that the, I, I kind of like, they don't really talk. If you read the whole thing, they don't really talk about the pandemic. It's kind of, him like, oh yeah, the pandemic's over. We're done. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to throw some money at this problem. That's going to fix it. It's like, no, we're ta- you need to talk about a real. Fundamental reshaping of our education and healthcare system. Trust me, I know as a parent who's got a kid in the system. There's some real structural problems there that need to be addressed, and this platform doesn't really do it. Same with healthcare. Yeah, um, and
1: I mean, encourage everybody with all the party platforms. Go out, get them, read them. You know, uh, uh, it, it's the only thing really that that should matter at election time. You know, we, we go on what we see on the news. Um, and who knows if what we see on the news is, is a fair representation or not. The platform is the one thing direct from a party that tells you what they want to do. And they're usually reasonably detailed, you know, um, and there's all kinds of stuff we haven't even touched on today. That's in there that, that, that are, you know, there's things about long-term care that are quite good. there's, you know, um, there's, there's a lot more than we, than we've, than we've mentioned, but, but I, I think, um. But I think that that's true. It's like, we're still talking about insurance. We're still talking about um, hydro rates. Isn't that the previous election? Uh, And aren't the the issues that, you know, if you're talking about working class Ontarians, if you're doing, you know, if you've been old school for the workers, for the unions, you know, socialist NDP stuff, um, why aren't you talking more? I mean, they are talking about, and we haven't touched on it today, but they do talk about um, basic income and, and, uh, you know, uh, the, minimum wage going up to twenty dollars and things like that. but again it feels like tinkering around the edges where where, where there's there's an appetite for for a much more radical approach um you know in, in you know to, to talk about affordable housing which is the number one issue that just comes up on this podcast again and again and again which dominated the federal election which is going to dominate this election and you don't even really mention supply and how to make sure that you get supply in the right areas you don't even talk about it and sure they talk about exclusionary zoning that's fine think, but that's not really gonna solve it on its own um
0: yeah uh you know what Take a look for yourself, folks. Read it up. Uh, see what you your opinion. Let us know if you think we're wrong. I'd love to hear that people just pointed out like you yeah, were flat wrong. I w- really would. Um, yeah. So we'll call it quits for uh, this episode. Uh, it's been a long one, but uh, that's what you get. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Okay, bye for now.